Hi. Hi, friends. How are you? <laughs> it's good to see you guys. So, uh, my name's Janelle. I'm Matt. And uh, we're going to be teaching together today, which is always kind of fun. Yay! I always feel like when we teach together, I'm really more of an audience surrogate. Because <laughs> I feel like I learn as much as I teach. Actually, much more than I teach. But. Well, today we're going to be talking about baptism and the ritual and tradition that it is within the Christian faith and kind of exploring why this is something that started 2,000 years ago and is something we still do today. And when we were talking about the tradition of that within Christianity, we were talking about traditions we have at home. And you remembered a tradition at home that's like one of my favorites. Yeah, so... Um, our daughter, she's nine. She was born on Christmas Eve. She's a Christmas Eve baby. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you, that's, you get two reactions. Some people say, oh, and then I think pretty quickly they're like, oh. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's not like a super fun birthday to have because you get your birthday gets swallowed up in sort of the traditions of the season. That's especially true for her because we work on Christmas Eve. We have a service here. It's one of the bigger services that we do. It takes a lot of preparation. So we're very busy. So the last few years, you know, we always tried to celebrate her birthday. I, actually, when she was first born, we celebrated in the middle of the year. We did like a half birthday for a while because we were like, oh, that way you don't have to do, you know, your birthday around Christmas. Then she just started getting double presents every year. And mm -hmm. as her parents, we were like, uh, grandparents aren't listening. They're getting her presents mm -hmm. twice a year. She does not need twice a year presents. Um, so, so we just started celebrating, you know, during December. And uh, on Christmas Eve, something we started doing is um, after service, we have the service here. We usually get out of here at 8.30, 9. Like 8, yeah. 8. I'm pushing it way back. It's better if it's 9. Let's say 9. Um, uh, we go home. Sammy gets to pick a meal. Sammy's our daughter. She gets to pick a meal, and she gets to stay up late that night. Even though it's Christmas Eve, we stay up late. We eat a meal that she picked, usually something we prepare in advance, and we watch a Christmas movie together. It's a simple thing, but it's... Sort of, it sort of represents the purpose of a tradition. It's not the act. The act of the tradition is not that important, right? The, the, uh, the eating of the meal or whatever or the watching the movie, that's not important. What's important is that we're setting aside time to let her know we care about you. You matter. Even when we're busy, you matter to us, and we're going to prove that by setting aside this time. So that's sort of what we're going to be talking about today is traditions and the purpose of them. Yeah, yeah. So today as we talk about baptism, this tradition, like I said, that started 2,000 years ago. Let's start with reading um, some verses in Matthew. So Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, if you don't mind reading this. I'd love to. Okay. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? Are you going to do this slide? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, it's not time yet, but I... Okay. <laughs> I just suddenly got panicked. I'm hyper-focused. Let's yes. keep going. But Jesus said, it should be done. Here, let me go back. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, John said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. I love these verses. Yeah. So I'm, I, I'm real quick, I'm going to just kind of try to paraphrase what's going on here. So John the Baptist it was, is a little older than Jesus. Um, he sort of came before Jesus, was sort of the trumpet blower for Jesus, like letting people know the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming. Some people even thought he was the Messiah and he was constantly like, no, I'm not, but he's coming. 
and Jesus came right behind him. And so John's baptizing people again. He's known as John the Baptist. That's sort of his MO is baptizing people. And uh, Jesus shows up and says, hey, baptize me, which you can imagine how weird that would be, right? Like I imagine Rob being out at the ocean like in mm. the next couple of weeks and baptizing people. And Jesus walks up and says, hey, baptize me, Rob. And Rob's like, this doesn't make sense. This is all backwards. <laughs> Um, and then Jesus is like, no, this is the way it needs to be. And John, you know, knowing that he should listen to God, says, okay, I will do it. Um, and then that's when it gets real weird. And the heavens open up. That's weird. A dove comes down from the heavens and lands on Jesus. That's weird. A disembodied voice says, this is my son. And that's weird. So it's, 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 a, it's a pretty wild scene actually. Yeah. And so today baptism is something that we associate with Jesus, but John the Baptist was baptizing people before Jesus showed up. And so we'll dive into that a little bit later as to why now, he what's was he doing, why he was doing that. <laughs> yeah. he doing that? But baptism is not something we really see in the old Testament a lot. You know, that that's what we think of today within Christian baptism. Obviously we're not being the old Testament because Jesus wasn't there, but the closest that there is to baptism in the old Testament would be like a ritual cleansing. You know, the old Testament law makes a big deal and a big emphasis on being clean and unclean. And so if you're made unclean because I got close to a dead body, you know, part of being made clean would be going in the water and rinsing off and kind of a spiritual shower. You know, it's not just the actual you know, being cleaned or washing your hands, but there's a spiritual element to that. So the difference with the Old Testament version and what we think of today is that that's something that would have been done over and over. You know, every time you're touching a dead body, you're going back in the water. I mean, there's other reasons, but that's my example. Um, But with Christianity, the Christian version of baptism, that's more of a one and done kind of situation. That's not something we're doing over and over every time we feel like we're made unclean in some way. So so in that sense, then I'll make, I'll take it to a personal thing. I've, does that mean you were only baptized one time since it's a one and done sort of thing? Um, well, no, <laughs> I, I did get, I did get baptized twice. I was baptized when I was a child and I didn't, I don't remember it. I have no memory of it. And as I was an adult, I remember moving away from Eastgate and being like, oh, hey, I'm still a Christian. I'm not just doing that because my family does this. Like, I really believe this. And um, as I was an adult and really coming into my own faith, I really wanted to get baptized in a way that, like, it meant something to me. And I understood why I was doing it. And I asked my dad, like, can somebody do this twice? Like, is that a no-no? And he's like, yeah, yeah, let's, let's go. Let's get baptized. So he went over to Jacksonville where I was living and baptized me again as an adult. But what about you? You got baptized twice, right? I got baptized three times. Oh, <laughs> you're so one I'm, up in me. Okay. I'm one more time holier than you. Um, yeah, so, yeah, my understanding, it's similar. My understanding of baptism changed a lot over the years yeah. where, um, so I got baptized once when I was seven. And at that point, I sort of understood it mostly as like a magical sort of get out of hell card, right? <laughs> I was like, oh, I've heard of hell. I don't want to do that. Sure. I'll go in the water. I like to swim. That sounds great. Um, so I did it then. And then I think when I was a teenager, I was getting a little bit more um, militant. You know, I think, I think a lot of us, if you, are grow, if you grow up a Christian, you go through your militant phase. Like, I am going to do this, and I'm never going to make a mistake. And everything that's not Jesus is I'm throwing it out. And, um, and so I went through that phase. And around 13 or 14, I got baptized again. And, it was, and at that point, what I understood baptism, baptism was, was like a, I'm, I'm doing a 180. I'm not a bad, I'm a good person now, right? <laughs> like this is going to be the magic fix that makes me not a sinner, whatever. 
Um, yeah, some people are laughing at that because you realize how ridiculous that is. So then when I was in college, I, find, I, I, I sort of had a better, I, I, I had an idea that sort of stuck with me to this day of what baptism is, which was more of a public declaration of like, my intention has changed. My focus has changed. I'm redirecting what I do to focus on God. I'm not always going to get it right. I mean, we talk about that all the time. God, Rob's always saying, you know, we don't get, we rarely get this right. We don't do this well. We don't do this well. There you <laughs> go. But my intention is changing, and I'm and I'm doing it publicly. I'm letting the world know, hey, help me. I'm making this change. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. I think what's interesting is because baptism is not something that we see this example, this version of baptism that we do, um, is not something we see in the Old Testament, can easily believe that this, these verses that we read about baptism are like the only verses kind of relating to baptism right. or are kind of where the baptism story begins. But really, I think nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, I think when we start with these verses, I would say it's equivalent to reading the last chapter of a good book. Uh, and I've said this before, but if we read the last chapter only, we're going to get an idea of who we're rooting for. We're going to get an idea of how the story ends, maybe the good guys and the bad guys. Um, but we're not getting the whole picture. We're not getting the weight of the story. We're missing the details. And it's something that anybody who has a favorite book, if someone were to read the last chapter, we'd be like, no, don't do that. And right. so today we're going to be kind of diving into a little bit more of the, the background with baptism and the stories that maybe led up to it. And who knows, I might learn something new and get baptized a fourth time. <laughs> oh, I got it wrong. Let me do it one more time. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. I think you'll be good. Um, <laughs> so the Bible Project talks about baptism as being one of the design patterns that are found in the Bible, that's found in the Bible. And the Bible Project is an online resource that has videos that breaks down books of the Bible. It'll break down difficult concepts of the Bible. I found it really helpful because like during the week, if I want to learn about the Bible in the past, I would get overwhelmed if I didn't understand it. And I just figured, oh, never mind. But the Bible project is free. They have videos, they have podcasts, they even have college level courses that are free, breaking down different um, things. Within it's, the... it's big on context too, which is yeah. really nice. So I highly recommend it. But anyway, so the Bible project talks about baptism being one of the design patterns in the Bible. And a design pattern shows how different stories across the entire Bible have been coordinated to emphasize key themes. And they talk about how the authors do this subtly. And the way we find it is by looking for key words or key images that might be used over and over or linked together in some way. So the design pattern for baptism is one of being rescued through water. Being rescued through water is something that we're going to see over and over in the Bible. And we're going to go through some of those stories today, kind of showing that connection to baptism with Jesus and what that larger context means. But before we jump back into the Bible stories, let's just talk about water and the importance of just water, like even outside of the Christian faith, <laughs> but, you know, what, how important that is. I know our brains are made up of 75% water. I know trees are made up of 75% water. The, the earth is what? Mostly water. It's got a lot of water. <laughs> and we know Mar We're scientists. We know Mar Yes. We're you very scientific. Write that down in your notes. Okay. Earth has a lot of water. Um, and then we know Mars doesn't have any water and that's part of why people say like it's yeah, uninhabitable. We're always trying to be like, Oh, can we inhabit Mars? And the main reason we can't is because we can't find water, right? Right. Exactly. Water is really important, and it also can be kind of a dangerous force. If we look at Pakistan and the intense 
scale of that flooding and the amount of people that are affected by that. We see how water can play a part in that way, or even Jackson, Mississippi, and the water shortage that's going on there. Um, obviously, we want to be praying for those places as we think about how important water is and what that plays in just our everyday lives. Even if you're not a Christian, we know that water is important. Yeah, it sort of represents both destruction and life at the same time. It's Yes, exactly. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. Okay, so... Um, <laughs> to start with this, I want to go all the way back to the very beginning of the Bible. I want to go to the first book and the first chapter, and we're going to read a couple of the first verses So together. settle in, because we're doing every single verse. No. Yeah, we're going to start with Genesis, <laughs> and we're reading up to... <laughs> no, so, but uh, Genesis chapter 1, verses 2, and then 6 through 10. So Matt, if you want to read that. Yeah. Okay, so the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. We're going to skip down to verse 6. Or 9, sorry. 9, sorry. I'm so sorry. It's wrong in my notes. And the Spirit of God... Oh, sorry. Then God said, let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. You have a different translation, so you might just want to read off the I'll just read off of that. (laughs) Then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. God called the dry ground land and the water seas sees and the, and God saw that it was good. Yeah, God saw that it was good. Okay, so um, what are just some connections you might see to baptism within these first few verses that we're reading? Are there any connections that you see? Yeah, sure. Um, okay, so one thing I'd never noticed, because I've, I grew, again, I grew up in church, so I've heard the Genesis story a bunch of times. I imagine some of you are similar, that you've maybe read this or heard it through osmosis or whatever. Um, but I never noticed before that, you know, we always talk about how, you know, God created everything out of nothing, right? So we, so in my head, I was like, okay, so there was God, but nothing else. Mm-hmm. But that's actually, according to this story, that, that's not entirely true. There was God and one other thing. You may know what it was? Deep waters. Water. Yeah. Isn't that weird? So the, it's almost like the waters are representative of the nothing, of the right. chaotic nothing, right? It's weird. Uh, it's really cool. So that was a cool thing that I saw. And what's cool then, if we want to compare it to baptism, is that God didn't bring the land out of nothing. He didn't create the, he didn't put water where land was. He actually, all of life came from water. Mm-hmm. That's where the, that's where something came from, right? right. The, the, the concept of something, of everything right. came from water. That's where life came from. Right. So, I mean, obviously the connection to baptism there too, of the idea of like, the new life coming out of the water. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I thought. No, exactly. And then also look at the where the Spirit of God was. He's hovering right. over the surface of the waters, which right. is just like in the story that we just read with Jesus being baptized and the Holy Spirit hovering over that baptism. So, yeah, these verses talk about the separating of the chaotic waters and the life emerging on the other side. So immediately there's some connections we can make to baptism there right away of just that new life representative coming out of the water so let's keep going there's another uh there's another story in genesis that talks about waters and chaotic waters and that is noah's ark so in genesis uh chapter six i believe there's noah's ark and the flood so matt do you want to paraphrase noah's ark sure um so Russell Crowe is walking around with uh, Hermione from... No. No. Um, okay, so... Uh, the book's better than the movie. <laughs> yes, that's absolutely true in this case. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, you guys know the story of Noah's Ark. The, the world had gone bad. People were not following God. 
So God says, I'm going to basically start over. I'm wiping the slate clean. Uh, I'm going to bring Noah, who's the only guy who's following me and his family, onto a boat. I'm going to have them build a boat, bring some animals onto the boat. When you're kids, all you think about is the animals. And as you get older, you're like, this story is wild. The animals (laughs) have very little to do with it. Uh, They get on the boat. They're in the boat for 40 days. And then basically they send out uh, some animals, including a dove at one point, to go out and see is it safe yet? And eventually mm-hmm. the dove comes back or either. Actually the dove comes back at one point with a leaf and which is like a good sign, like, Oh, okay. Land. Mm-hmm. And then eventually it doesn't come back at all. Right. Um, so that's, yeah, that's sort of the base. And then they know, okay, this is the, the destruction is over. There's, yeah. there's life on the other side of this. Yeah. So God is rescuing Noah through chaotic waters. He's bringing Noah into new life, into <laughs> humanity, creation 2.0 through these chaotic waters and the heavens open up. And it's interesting if you, when you're reading the verses, it talks about the heavens opening up and the deep waters opening up and the sky and the water become one kind of essentially undoing days two and three of the creation story. So it's moving backwards a little bit. And then emerging out of that is new life through the chaotic waters. And then if again, there's another dove in this story. You know, it's not the Holy Spirit dove, but it could be representative of the Holy Spirit. And that that is searching for that safety on the other side. Yeah, the dove. And, and represents that safety yeah. that it's time to come through that. Yeah, the dove is a message of hope. That's it's a, it, And that's what, in a lot of ways, Jesus is doing in that moment where he's getting baptized. Yeah. It's the dove pointing towards, in, in the story of Noah, the dove is pointing towards life. It's pointing towards the end of destruction, right? Mm-hmm. And in the story of Jesus' baptism, it's doing the same thing. It's pointing towards life. It's pointing towards the end of destruction. Yes, exactly. Okay, so there's another uh, famous water story uh-huh. of being people being rescued through water in the Old Testament. And this will be the book of Je- uh, Exodus, which is the second book of the Bible. So, Matt, uh, why don't you tell us the story of the Israelites in the parting of the Red Sea? Okay, so Charlton Heston. No. <laughs> All right, so um, short story, long story short, the Israelites were slaves to the Egyptian people. Um, Through a series of plagues, uh, the pharaoh of uh, the Egyptians finally says, fine, you guys can go. The Israelite slaves can go. Um, Moses leads them uh, away from there, and then eventually the Egyptians are basically like, never mind, we want you back. And and they come after them, and the uh, Israelite people are stuck between the Red Sea, and this giant Egyptian army, which basically at that point, like any of us would be that, that place. We're like, well, that's it. We, we did what we could. It's over, mm-hmm. right? And God basically tells Moses, it's not over. I need you to use your staff. We're going to make this. We're gonna, I'm going to create a path. I'm going I'm to turn seas into highways, like mm-hmm. we sang about this morning, mm-hmm. right? And he splits the seas. The Egyptian people, wa- or, no, sorry, Israelite. the Israelite people walk through. And then they're safe on the other side. They come through the water. They go safe to the other side. And then the death and destruction, who, which was the Egyptian army, is washed up in the water. Yeah. Literally all of the Egyptian, nothing is left. Yeah. So they're safe. They're pulled through the... Yeah. yeah, so this is three stories within the first two books of the Bible. Yeah. Showing, you know, that going through those chaotic waters with life waiting for you on the other side. Escaping death from the chaotic waters and life on the other side. So what are some connections to baptism that you see with this story? Yeah, I mean, I kind of said them. The, <laughs> yeah, the, the idea of like going into the water, um, 
with death on your heels, destruction on your heels, um, hopelessness on your heels, and then coming out the other side, washed and and literally your the dangers washed away. Yeah, and they're no longer slaves. I mean, they 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 come out the other side free people. Yeah, absolutely. So I know that there's one more story we're going to talk about. Yes. Now this one, I this one requires more than just like a Sunday school. Uh, level of knowledge, which is my le- or Hollywood movie level of knowledge. Um, so I'm going to need you to. Yeah, they haven't. Talk. I they, can't paraphrase this. They one. haven't made a movie about this one yet, but I think it would be cool. So um, in Joshua, chapter three, the Israelites are about to go into the promised land. So when they leave and they cross through the Red Sea, they're free people, but instead of going straight to the promised land, they make some oopsies along the way and they get in trouble and they have to stay in the desert for 40 years they're wandering the desert for 40 years so joshua starts and it's been 40 years of wandering the desert and i think about that of like i have a three-year-old that if we started wandering the desert he'd be 43 by the time we had that home and you know that instability that stacy was sharing about earlier of what that would be like so it's finally time to go home. It's finally time to go into the promised land. It's very exciting. And what the Israelites have with them this time that they didn't have before is the Ark of the Covenant. So the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, I knew you were going to say it. That's why I'm like, get it out. So yeah. then I'll say. Don't look at it, Marion. Don't look at it. <laughs> okay, so that's, faces. that's not quite as biblical as you might think. Um, but the Ark of the not Covenant sure is, is not Noah's Ark where it's a boat. It's a box and it's a small you know, golden box, and it represents God's presence with the Israelite people. It's something they can look at and remember that God is with them. So this Ark of the Covenant is very sacred. It's very holy. And there are priests that are carrying it, and they're carrying it with poles because we don't want to touch it directly. That is so far, it. it feels like it's exactly like <laughs> so, um, so it's time to cross the Jordan River and go into the Promised Land. However, when the Israelites, and there's a lot of them at this point, get to the Jordan River to cross it, It's the flood season, and it's chaotic waters. It is impossible to walk across. This is not a gentle stream that's ankle deep and you just walk through with your kids. You can't get through to the other side. It will swallow you up and kill you. So God tells them, send the priests up first with the Ark of the Covenant. And when the priests get up to the Jordan River with the Ark of the Covenant, the water separates. And they walk through dry ground into the promised land with the Ark of the Covenant leading the way. I mean, I love this story. And especially with the connection of these, we see again that going through chaotic waters, we see what that's like. And they're escaping the death of the desert. They're escaping that life that they had. And they're going into the promised land. So knowing that story... Are you seeing connections to the baptism with Jesus with yeah. us? Yeah. Well, I mean, one really cool one is that the, does anybody remember where Jesus is baptized? The Jordan River. It's the same place. It's the same place. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, so that's one, obviously. Yes. But what's really something that is really cool in this section, and you pointed it out, is this idea that the ark had to lead them first. It went first. Yeah. So when we look at the story of Jesus before, if you remember, we're looking at it like, why did Jesus have to get baptized? What is it? Mm -hmm. Why is that important? And it's a similar thing. It's a motif of God's going first. He's showing us the way. He's leading by example. Yeah. He's the one we follow. Yeah. Yeah. So there are a lot of other stories in the Old Testament that we could look at that kind of follow this design pattern of being rescued through water. And it's one of those things that 
when you start to think about it and start to look for it, we find it in so many places that maybe we wouldn't have noticed before. So there are some other stories that we're not going into today, but if anyone wants to talk about it, I'm always happy to talk about it because it's kind of fun. Um, <laughs> but, um, but I do want to go into to something else yeah. that I think you had questions well, about. Well, yeah, because this is, I, I love all this, all these stories, but what's still weird about this story is if, you, if we, going back to the original story that we talked about, John the Baptist baptizing Jesus, why was John the Baptist baptizing people? Yeah. Like, what was, what was the purpose of that before Jesus? Like, we know now why we're doing it, right? Before Jesus, what was, I, I, yeah, why was John doing that? I'm glad you asked. Okay, so this It is... was written down. <laughs> You're not supposed to tell them that. Um, <laughs> okay, so Isaiah is a book that has a lot of prophecies. And prophecies are telling us something that's about to happen or that's going to happen later on. It's not something that's happening currently. And Isaiah has a lot of prophecies about Jesus. So I want to read a couple of those. And I think it'll help kind of set the stage for, for why John the Baptist is doing what he's doing. So in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 16, it says, I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. And then in verse 19, it says, for I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Okay, that's kind of talking about a little bit what we're talking about. But then Isaiah chapter 17, verse 12, things change a little bit regarding the water. And it says, listen, the armies of many nations roar like the roaring of the sea. The armies of many nations roar like the roaring of the sea. Hear the thunder of the mighty forces as they rush forward like thundering waves. So Isaiah is describing the unruliness of nations as chaotic water. He's describing groups of people. These nations are now representing the chaotic water, not just the actual water we were reading about in those other stories, but these nations are now representing that. So what John the Baptist is doing with everybody before Jesus shows up is saying, we are going to leave the chaotic water of this nation and this world around us, and we're going to enter into a new covenant with God. We are going to recommit to the God of our ancestors and remember who we serve We're going to repent and remember why we do this. And so what John the Baptist is doing with all of these people is choosing to let everybody around them know that we are not, that they're basically participating in a peaceful rebellion and a peaceful protest of the rulers of that place and the corrupt systems of power. And what is the way that they protest and how do they rebel? By recommitting themselves to God. That is their peaceful protest. So this is representative as an individual making that choice of I'm choosing personally to recommit to God and remember who I serve, remember why I do this. But it's also aligning yourself with the group of other people who are doing the same. It's aligning yourself with that other large group of Israelites who are saying we also are choosing to go with God. We also are pledging our allegiance to God first. Yeah, and so Jesus, when Jesus comes along and gets baptized, it's sort of twofold. I mean, obviously, one is the sort of spiritual thing that we talked about with Isaiah. And, mm-hmm. and But it's also sort of Jesus putting his stamp of approval yeah. on this peaceful protest. He's saying, that's it. Yeah. The nations are chaos. This is, and, and, you, and this is what we want. Peaceful 
a peaceful protest, basically. Yeah. yeah. This in this form. This is how we escape these chaotic waters. This is how we go through this chaos of the world around us. And that's where we see the original purpose for baptism before Jesus shows up still applies to us today because it's a public declaration that my first allegiance is to the kingdom of heaven, yeah. not this world. So there are three more verses in Mark that I want us to read today, and it's Mark chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. I'll read it on the screen. Okay. One day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in, in, baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. We already read this. Okay, this is different. Okay. <laughs> so every single gospel goes into the baptism story and, and shares about it. So we see that the baptism story is important. But I like this one a lot. It's, it's said in three verses. And we can find all, basically a connection to every story we just went through within these three verses. Mm. Because when we're talking about, and, and, and I want to make something clear too, the connection to these stories in these three verses are something that we have to kind of communicate and study and work on today. But the people at this time that this was written for would have made those connections without needing any help whatsoever. Right, so it would be like, like right now, if somebody brings up the year 2020 to you, they don't have to explain to you what that means. You know what it means. They're talking about the pandemic, social unrest, political upheaval, all that stuff, Right. You know what that means. 2,000 years from now, if you, if, if you read something that said 2020 just kind of flippantly, and, you know, that might confuse that person, right? Because they weren't there in the moment. This is similar. Mm -hmm. They would have understood the connections in that moment, and it would have... To all these stories. To, right. Yeah, so, you know, Mark's language of in the Jordan River, you know, the people there listening are immediately going to be making that connection to the story of Joshua and the Ark of the Covenant crossing right. through the Jordan River into the Promised Land. Out of the water, it goes back to the story of the Israelites getting out of the water from the Red Sea and into freedom. So that's going back to the story in Exodus. The heavens opening or splitting open would refer back to the same story of Noah's Ark, and it could also refer back to the creation story on right. days two and three and then the spirit like a dove you know we see that that goes back to genesis chapter one of the spirit of god was hovering over the waters in verse two or also now after talking today we could see that connection with noah's ark and that representative that representation of that there's new life waiting on the like other the side hope of that a dove would mean to them yeah. yes and then god's words to jesus you are my beloved son you bring me great joy that could go back to some of the verses we read in Genesis today. And it could also go back to a prophecy in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 1, it says, My son with whom I am well pleased. So it's the culmination of all of these things coming together, um, which I think is pretty cool. So cool. <laughs> but we have to ask ourselves, where does that leave us after Jesus? Like we see the story leading up to Jesus, and we see the grand scale of it, but is it over when Jesus gets baptized? Right. You know, what, what part do we have to play in that moving forward? So let's read, uh, to answer that question, let's read Romans 6, verses 1 through 4. Okay, so you guys can read along with me. Well then, should we keep on sitting, sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? <laughs> of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. 
And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Yes, so Paul is inviting us to participate in this story that started so long ago. And he's saying that our participation is not only in line with the people of Israel who are getting baptized the day Jesus was getting baptized, but since Jesus' death and resurrection, we see it as that symbolic death and resurrection and that new life in him. And when we get baptized, we're continuing that belief of forsaking the corrupt systems of this world and living our life according to the commands and purposes of God. And we say, as I rise out of the water, I let sin and death wash away. As I live as someone who has been rescued through water and saved by Christ Jesus. You had it planned. Yeah. <laughs> you're good. I'm very helpful. No, you're good. <laughs> so, Matt, you wanted to talk about something with, like, graduation. Oh, well, I mean, so we were talking about traditions mm-hmm. originally, right? And baptism is sort of a tradition of Christianity, right? And I had brought up a tradition that happens once a year. We do it once a year. And baptism is more of a one-and-done. Now, obviously, we are exceptions. But, yeah, the idea is that it's a one-and-done sort of thing. So I was thinking about it's actually similar to a graduation. Um, when somebody graduates high school and, or college or whatever and we go in support of them, we're not going to support them because they put on a funny gown and, like, got a piece of paper and walked around, right? That's not why we're there. We're going to do that because we, it represents a change in the person right? Baptism is similar. We're not going, when we go down to the beach in two weeks, right? Is it two yeah. weeks? In two weeks, we're going down to the beach. We're going to baptize some people, right? The rest of us go, even if we're not being baptized, not because we want to see like our friends get wet and just, yeah. and, you know, and swim be around. dunked and swim <laughs> around. And we go because we recognize that it represents a change in a person. And we want to support them in that change and let them know we're here we see what you've done, and we, are, we want to be part of that journey with you. Yeah, exactly. So that's our teaching for baptism. As we leave here today, let's remember the importance of context when we're reading the Bible. That learning that this entire book, this entire collection of books within the Bible, is weaved together to tell a story that is still being told and a story that we get to be a part of. And let's remember that this ritual and tradition of being rescued through water is a story that God has been weaving since the very beginning. And let's remember that through Jesus' sacrifice, a path through the chaotic waters has been made for each one of us. And that we have the choice to publicly declare our allegiance to God and our salvation through Jesus Christ. And as others do this and as we're available, let's try to take the time to be there to support and encourage one another through that baptism because it is a glorious thing to be happening. So again, we have baptism in two weeks. If anyone would like to sign up, we have a clipboard in the back. We also have an online sign up as well. And that's it for our teaching today. And, or if you don't, yeah, sure, thanks. Um, it, or, and again, like she was saying, like, or if you have been baptized and, you know, or whatever, just come. Just yeah. come be part of the public declaration of that thing. Yeah, yeah. right on. All right, well, let's pray. God, I thank you so much for loving us. I thank you so much for always making a path through the chaotic waters. Always. I pray that anybody who is considering to be baptized, that you lead them in that direction if if that's where they need to be going and if that's what needs to be done. I pray for your blessings on that day. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I was praying and he was there and I got up and he's gone. Okay. (laughs) That was weird. Let's all stand and sing the last song.
You thought I was worth saving So you came and changed my life You thought I was worth keeping So you cleaned me up inside You thought I was to die for So you sacrificed your life So I could be free I could be whole I could tell everyone I know You thought I was worth saving So you came and changed my life You thought I was worth keeping So you cleaned me up inside You thought I was a
so you sacrifice your life so I could be free I could be whole I could tell everyone I know you thought I was worth Amen. That's our prayer. Thank you so much. God, we thank you again for being with us today. We want to lift up the people in Pakistan with the flooding, and we want to lift up the people with the water crisis going on in our own country. We just pray for their safety and to meet their needs, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, uh, let's speak this blessing on one another. Uh, together. <laughs> may the peace of the Lord Christ be with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into these doors. Go in peace, you children of God. And don't forget the um, sign-ups for Elevate Bay and the mentorship program is going on back there with Stacy. <laughs>